0: Well, do take a seat and grab hold of one of the Bibles near you. Again, turn back to uh, Psalm 119 in verse 49 on and page uh, 618. Uh, and if it helps you, uh, grab hold uh, of one of the handouts that was in um, your service sheet uh, tonight. There's a couple of other readings on it that will be helpful. So, uh, if you don't normally take it, please uh, use it tonight. And let me ask you a question: uh, Do you get bored easily? You bored easily? I think I do, especially with things I've had to do for a long time. They just become a little tedious, uh, don't they? Uh, which is why I'm thinking of giving up um, breathing. <laughs> now, don't you just get bored with it. It's always the same: in and out, in and out. Boring. And uh, I mean, I've been doing it for such a long time. At uh, 36, uh, now almost 37 years. October's only next month, so that's a hint for my birthday. Uh, some of you will probably think i'm being uh, foolish look i probably won't give it up completely uh, when i was young like these guys over here I, I couldn't get enough of breathing i'd be breathing all the time as soon as i got up i'd breathe uh, last thing before i went to sleep i'd make sure i was doing the same i just don't think i need to do it as much as i used to uh, I'll, I'll maybe do it every other day uh, i don't think i'll bother in the morning uh, stop me when you think this is getting a bit stupid but it is incredible how stupid we can be, isn't it? Uh, we're, we're continuing this series on the Word of God. I mean, don't you get a little bored with it? You'll have thought it, won't you? Why is the only thing we study? Why is the only thing we do is studying the Bible? Well, it's a bit of an exaggeration. That'd be a bit like saying breathing's the only thing that we do. Uh, but cut the breathing out. And you'll find it doesn't really give you more time for other things, does it? <laughs> Cut God's word out. And oh well, perhaps you can finish that sentence. You see our title for tonight. I love your word because it gives me life. And yet some of us feel, I imagine, unsure of its value. Unsure of what the psalmist means by... The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Uh, we might hold that in our heads, but, uh, but do you really feel it? His law, more precious than thousands of pieces of silver and gold? Or perhaps you're here and you're, you're a new Christian. Uh, you're unsure of the value of God's word really just because you're, you're only just discovering it. If that's you, brilliant. There are vast treasures waiting for you. But there might be those of us, older Christians, who find ourselves thinking, if not saying, not the Bible again. And just possibly you've you've noticed when you think about it how infrequently you've been reading God's word now. And if you're honest, you'll admit that you've realized that the desire to read it is even less evident than that. Uh, So this evening we're going to look at this word that gives life. And make it our prayer that God will excite those who are discovering God's word for the first time. Show new depths to, to those of us who already love his word. And I guess probably most importantly mercifully breathe fresh life into those of us who've grown bored. I've been really helped in my preparation by a couple of books. uh, One by uh, Derek Kidner, his little commentary. Another a book by a man called John Frame. So if there are any helpful insights tonight uh, thank them if you ever meet them. Uh, We've been using Psalm 119 not so much to go through kind of expositionally uh, but as it's the great psalm on God's word as a I guess it's a kind of backdrop for considering what God's word says about itself. The psalm's and acrostic, uh, 22 stanzas, each beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Would you ever want to read 22 stanzas of poetry about the Bible? Now well, let me ask you, how's, how's life been recently? Have you faced some disappointments? things been tough? Have you been looking for some contentment and not finding it? Have you felt like life's been on the edge, as unstable as it could be, family, career, relationships, just in yourself? Have you been longing for a bit of permanence? Some security? They'd be good things to hear about, wouldn't they? Well then, trust me, I stick with Psalm 119. If you've read it, you've realized various synonyms are used for God's word. I've put them on your handout. There's, there's eight in all. Um, word, promise, law, laws, precepts, statutes, commands, decrees. Uh, you'll find them scattered all through Psalm 119. That, that first one, word, is the most general of the terms. It kind of means all God's truth in all its various forms communicated in, in the Bible. Uh, there's that one, laws, number four. That that carries the sense of God's judgments, his, his rulings. That's the thing that's been emphasized there. Uh, that word precepts, the, the word translated that in the NIV, has to do with the details of God's word. Uh, and that last one, decrees, that uh, carries the sense of its permanence, like it's engraved. So eight words that emphasize a single fact, that God has spoken. Now, it can seem slightly impersonal, can't they, word, promise, law, laws, even daunting, perhaps, formidable terms, yet, as Derek Kidner writes, in the psalmist's own words, as he prays and reflects, these formidable terms unbend and speak to us as potential friends. Now, you understand them. Hey, God's word wants to win you over. I think He's right. And we might be looking at what's called the doctrine of the word of God. But this isn't dry and academic. God's word wants to capture your friendship. It's Striking the way the psalmist speaks to us of God's word, I'll mention a few from around the place. Look them up later if you want to. In, in verse 7 of this psalm, he tells us God's law is righteous. In verse 86... He tells us God's commands are, are trustworthy, but it's something more than that. The sense is kind of uh, faithful, uh, and, and I think it's, it's more active than passive. It's, it's something that will act faithfully towards you. In verse 89, he, he really pushes it by saying uh, God's word is eternal. All our words have a start and a finish, don't they? Although the way some uh, female friends speak on the phone, you can begin to wonder... Um, but there never was a time when God's word didn't exist it's eternal and if you think the psalmist is getting carried away all poetically well then he's not alone is he? Uh, back in Psalm 19 in verse 7 we, we'll hear that the word of the Lord is perfect in Isaiah 55, in verse 11, uh, the word of God seems omnipotent, all-powerful. God sends his word out, and it always achieves its purpose. A friend of mine uh, used to work in an office. He, he said there was a, a lovely office girl, one of those people who it's just a, a joy to work with. Always seems to brighten up the day, like our, our new trainees that have started this week. He told me that she always wore, even to work, really nice perfume. You entered the office, and even if you didn't see her, you'd know she was there. A fragrance in the air that alerted you to the presence of someone you'd be pleased to see. So you get your metaphorical nose into the fragrance of Psalm 119, and you listen to the aroma of this description. Righteous. Faithful. Eternal. Perfect. Perfect omnipotent. Well, these are divine attributes, aren't they? But they're spoken of about God's word. Psalm 56 in verse 4 will hammer the truth home for us when David says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. For David, the, the word of God is an object of worship i don't mean the the paper and ink that's in in front of you they're created things we don't worship those but the message of the bible was well, divine you can't read psalm 119 or the rest of the bible and with any integrity separate the word of god from god himself So perhaps you can begin to see why God's word gives life. Uh, Here's the first heading in your handout. uh, it's this, uh, to hear God's word is to meet the eternal life. I I wonder how you think of the Bible. If you had to explain what it is and, and what happens when you read it. Is it a letter from God, something he's left on the earth so you can find out about him? Is it God's manual for the good life? His manifesto, read this and discover the right way to live. Now, it's not that there's nothing in that. It's just that it doesn't quite go far enough. See, God's word is not like getting a letter from you or me. If I send you a letter, if you read my words, it it might prepare you to meet me or, or prepare you to avoid me. But the meeting's still to happen. It's not the same with God's word. When we hear God's words, we are meeting with him. Uh, When we think of the God of the Bible, the the one God who exists in in three persons, uh, we often think of the Trinity, don't we, in in terms of family. The Father and the Son, and uh, that's right. It's quite hard to bring the Holy Spirit, though, into that kind of family terminology. Uh, There are other ways the Bible describes God. Uh, One of them is in terms of communication. I'm speaking to you now. I'm deciding to speak. Words come from my mouth and my breath pushes those words through the air to your eardrums. Throughout the Bible, God describes himself in a kind of similar way. In Psalm 110, in verse 1, the Father is the speaker. You'll see the same at the start of Hebrews. In John chapter 1, in verse 1, the Son is the word of God. In Psalm 33, verse 6, in 2 Timothy 3:16, 16, the, the spirit is the breath that carries God's word to its destination. Now, the word for spirit in Hebrew and Greek means, means breath or wind. Now, God's word is so intrinsic to his nature that he even uses it to define the Trinity. I've put John 1 on your handouts. Just have a look at it with me for a moment. I guess they're very well-known words for for many of us. That's how verse 1 goes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I guess it's one of uh, the passages where where Jesus is clearly identified as the divine Word of God. The second person of the Trinity is shown to be both a distinct person from the Father, uh, but also God himself. That phrase in the beginning reminds us of of Genesis 1, God's powerful and authoritative speech which created the universe. We often emphasize that phrase, don't we? And the word was God to show that Jesus is God. And, And that's a right thing to do. It's a great passage to show it from. But just look at the phrase before it. And the word was with God. Do you understand what this means? Uh, Wherever the word of God is, God is there. And wherever God is, his word is there. Uh, My friends, do we understand? The reason we want to listen to God's word is not just because of its power and authority. It's because God's word is his very presence in our midst. My friends, as we hear the message of the Bible, we are interacting with the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are meeting with us. And when you manage to find a quiet space at home and you sit down with the Bible, it's right to say that you're studying the Bible, but not in a way that diminishes another reality. You're entering sweet fellowship with the Father through His Word by the Spirit. I love your word because it gives me life. And to hear God's word is to meet the eternal life. I'll turn over your your handout, would would you please? Friendship's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, you, You know what it's like? You know what it's like when you meet somebody kind of new? You're getting to know someone and you start to think, I really like them. Hey, maybe you met them a few times. You think, I, I think we just kind of clicked. We got on well. You don't really said anything like that to them. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Uh, and then it happens, though. You, you bump into them one day. You're out somewhere. They're with someone you don't know, but they introduce you as, this is my friend. And they say your name. And inside you think, wow, brilliant. We're friends. You, you don't say that. You're just that casual and say hello but you you know it's like inside you you're thinking we're friends we are friends it's wonderful isn't it and all that comes with true friendship uh, words that share more than information lives begin to be shared secret jokes secret dreams secret tears it's a wonderful thing isn't it to find your life caught up into someone else's you're perhaps thinking of, of good friends like that right now. Well, keep the warmth of that in mind. Because an even more wonderful thing is for God to speak words to you that communicate himself in such a way that you find yourself caught up into the very life of the triune God. How does Peter put it in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4? So that you may participate... In the divine nature. Let's just have a think about this because that's the second heading. To receive God's word is to participate in the divine life. If to hear God's word is to meet the eternal life, then to receive God's word is to participate in the divine life. There are certain situations, aren't there, when a few words communicate a lot. People with a shared history can say a few sentences that say vast amounts. You get it in families, where all someone needs to say is, do you remember when Uncle George came for Christmas? And nothing more needs to be said. Laughter erupts. You get it when England football fans refer to the spirit of 66. We appreciate, I tolerate everything that's being talked about. Well, Peter writes verse 3 here. His divine power, that's God's, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Uh, Peter's writing to Christians. Uh, They know what's behind these words. Uh, Notice Peter's language. He called us to receive everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, The word of God, Jesus, came. I gave himself for you and me died the death we should have died at uh, taking the punishment we deserve and uh, for the way we've ignored and despised the speaking god uh, you look at jesus at uh, the word of god uh, and did you notice by the way in verse 3 he called us that's his word by his own glory and goodness that's his person isn't it god's word and god's presence always together And you hear that all God communicates about himself through that word. His own glory and goodness in dying for sinners like you and me. And as you receive that word, you you find yourself given everything you need for life and godliness. Uh, There's that story of the supermarket in America. Every day it used to give out uh, tickets to the shoppers. They'd be... There'd be about 10 tickets every day that would say $5 off your shopping. There'd be about 5 tickets every day that would say $10, $20 off your shopping. And one ticket every day said you could have your whole shopping for free. There was a young mum there. Um, had all, Didn't have much money. Had her, her trolley stacked up with all her shopping for the month. Everything she needed. All the cheapest stuff. And, and she was so hoping for that ticket. There was a chap in front of her. Just had a basket with three items in it. Ready meal for one, some breath freshener, a pint of milk, the kind of single chaps you see in supermarkets and you think, oh bless. <laughs> Pulled the ticket out, said, You're whole shopping for free for those three items. Now the mum standing behind him is crestfallen. Then he turns to her and says, Darling, our luck is in. She's never seen him before in her life. And I guess you could say she's overwhelmed by the grace of the man giving her everything that she needed. It's a silly story, isn't it? But you capture some of the idea of it. God, through his word, has given us everything we need. have forgiven. Rescued. You're not lacking anything the word of God rescues you. For those of you who are Christians, that was a good word when you heard it, wasn't it? When you heard and understood that God loved you, that Jesus died for you. Isn't that a word you want to keep listening to? Peter wants to tell us something more. In verse 4, now, Peter talks about God's promises and the divine nature. You notice that's, that's God's word and God's person, his, his presence again. But here it's not hearing his words so that we can meet him. No, here's what he says. He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature. What's the goal for your life? What's the greatness you hope to achieve? What are the lives you look at and think, I wish that life was my life? See, God has planned for his children the greatest thing there is. To participate in the very life of God, to display in our lives, what was the other phrase he used? His glory and goodness. And it's a free gift of grace. As you receive God's word, it, it comes to us through his precious promises in Jesus. It begins now as we take hold of those promises, as we, as we read and believe. And one day it will finish his work in us. In God's new creation where you'll live a life of unimagined greatness. and You'll enjoy it and it won't be self-admiration. Nothing arrogant like that. It'll be participating in the divine nature enjoying and displaying the glory and grace of Christ for all eternity. Now, your little life lived like that. See, that's what true life is. And this is where it's found. And this is why we study God's word. Because it's where we meet God. And it's how we come to participate in the life of God. I love your word. Because it gives me life. Oh, just as we finish. A, a few, I guess really just implications. If God's word really is meeting the living God. If it really is beginning to participate in the life of God. Then it should make a difference to our living now. A couple of things our, our society finds elusive I think. are, are contentment. And kind of security and permanence and I imagine we will as well contentment some of us I imagine are finding life disappointing things hoped for have not worked out there are other sadnesses in just getting on with life frustrations with work, difficulty in family for some I imagine there's that longing for security and a sense of permanence uh, you're feeling like your life is about as unstable as it can be. And it's made all the more grueling because you live in full wood, surrounded by the so-called sorted middle class. You feel your life compares badly. Uh, so come back with me uh, to Psalm 119. Listen to what this Old Testament poet has learned and experienced in God's word. And just chew over some of his lines of flowery poetry. I see, contentment. You read this psalm and you'll discover a writer's not unfamiliar with difficulty. But listen to verse 52. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. Here's a man who knew he needed support and found it. Verse 57. You are my portion. Oh Lord, I've promised to obey your word. The sense of that is, you're all I want. In verse 72, the the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. I heard a program on Radio 4 about millionaires last week. Private banks in America, I find this incredible. Private banks in America where you need $10 million just to open an account. And that doesn't even get you VIP treatment. On oh, the program, they mentioned the therapy groups for worried millionaires. What are they worried about? Not having enough money. One man complained his 100 foot yacht was embarrassingly small. It's like that old saying how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. Well, here's a flowery poet in Psalm 119 who can look at the materially wealthy and not envy them for a moment. He can find comfort in the midst of difficulty, whose ambitious activities won't be plagued with that crippling worry about losing everything, because he's found a treasure he can never lose. He's found a treasure that sets him free to even live a life that takes risks. He's met God through his word, and it's changed him. And as for permanence, well, we'll look back at verse 54. He says this, Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. It's an odd line, isn't it? Poets are always coming out with odd lines. I I wondered if it was like practical advice for when you're staying at a travel lodge. (laughs) Sing songs. I think there's more to it than that. Oh, that word decree, uh, the kind of meaning, the angle in God's word it it has is the permanent nature of God's word. I think the psalmist saying is wherever I am in life I know it's temporary I'm like a lodger see homes come and go don't they careers come and go but I found something permanent I found a thing that gives security I've met God in his word and he's changed me would you like some of that contentedness and permanence A contentedness and permanence that will even see you uh, right through death. Uh, You can read verses 81 to 88 at at home. Uh, The psalmist cries out to God as his entire life fails, falls apart. And yet, as one commentary says, amid all the turmoil of his distress, uh, the psalmist still hopes in the word, seeks the promise Remembers the decrees, looks for the judgments, follows the law, trusts the commands, keeps the precepts and obeys the statutes. All the eight synonyms are here to remind us we trust the speaking God. Just that one hand to hold in the darkness. Just that one thread to follow through the labyrinth. It would be nice to have extra helps and not merely the voice of God. But as John Bunyan's pilgrim found, the way is the way and there's an end. God's word wants to win your friendship so that you find contentedness and permanence in the Christ who is the very word of God and you find yourself saying I love your word because it gives me life. Let's pray together.